Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and happy Monday to you. I'm so glad that uh, we're together and we've got a couple hours to spend, and I hope your weekend was good. You know, I'm always missing my old friends. I I love my friends. I I have a lot of friends, and I'm very grateful that God has blessed me with a lot of friends, and especially pals and from my past, they they always seem to, when you connect with them, they give you a sense of stability. And I think with COVID and everything else that's been going on, there's something about connecting to friends who have known you and your family for a long time is always very comforting. Now, Patrick and I have been buddies for 25 years probably, so it's not a childhood friend, but it's a good friend. And it's yeah. something I would love to chat with him about today. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of nostalgia, except for the having to remember stuff part. But uh, Patrick is uh, not only my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, but he's uh, my guest that gets things started on Monday. Patrick, welcome. Hey, thanks. Hey, uh, um, colleague, you know, friend and colleague. So well, friend comes first. Yeah, well, you know, we're in the same sort of business. You know, we... we um, I, I used to work for you. That's true. Actually. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've, a small company of just a handful of people. I, I remember when you tried to pull off that undercover boss thing. That didn't work <laughs> that so didn't well. work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you threw on a little mustache and your first question, you're going, I'm the new guy. Say, what do you think of that guy, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a bomb. Yeah, let's not bring didn't, that up didn't again. Didn't really. I said, oh, he's the best. He's great. Yeah. You, but, know, you know, you are good friends when you, when you can see each other and say, hey, you look terrible. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and you, that's good friends. You've got a great test for friendship. I think you call it the 10-second rule. Explain that. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Where you can call somebody and yes. you don't have to say hi or no. uh, it's me. No. You call and you say, it's what the, was Gretzky's yeah. number again when he played for yeah. Edmonton? What was his number? And that's all you say. And then you answer oh, yes. and then the phone uh, conversation ends. Yeah, that that ten second rule. I, I remember when I was uh, just at the time dating my wife, and and she was uh, asking some question about my childhood, and I said, you know, I don't know. So I, I pick up my phone, I I I call my mom, and I say, hey mom, uh, you know, uh, did I have uh, blue eyes when I was uh, born? Uh, no, you were bow legged. Okay, thanks. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and she she said. How did how did you just do that? She says nobody can call their mom for just like a quick. I said well, I can call my mom and just ask a quick little question. It always ends with you were both like it. You know, you you could you were the only kid in the family that couldn't play soccer. Yeah. <laughs> it's just terrible. You know, uh, you were not allowed to goal be a goalie for any sport. But um, and yeah, I I've always thought that was uh, a, a great test that you said you know you you know each other well enough that we don't need to talk about a million things and catch up. We talk frequently enough where I can just call you up and say, what was, yeah, how many goals did Gretzky score in that game where they won 12 to nothing? Right, yeah. right. So when you go back to childhood friends and old memories and you 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 recall some of these cherished experiences that you have, I think it really brings kind of this joy, you know, amidst what I think is right now a, a very troubled world. And 
when you connect with an old friend or you reach out to somebody you haven't spoken to in a while, I think it does wonders for your spirit. Oh, I, I agree. It's, uh, you know, I went to my, uh, I, I can't tell you the number. It's a big one. The high school reunion, <laughs> you know, it's, you, you know, it's, you know, it's a big number when you say, is anybody here besides me? My <laughs> 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 all that's left of this graduating class. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't have a, a ton of friends in high school that went to my high school. Uh, most of my high, friends in my high school years went to other high schools because I went to a Catholic grade school. And then all the kids, when we graduated after eighth grade, they went, everybody went to different schools, different high schools. And uh, but those were the people I ended up staying the closest friends with for so many years. And so my friends were outside of that. But uh, there were a couple. And it was amazing because somehow or another, you know, 30 or more years had passed. And you see them and you say, hey, remember the high school talent show in 1979? They're like, oh, did we have fun that day? <laughs> you, say, mm -hmm. you, go, you know, isn't that amazing? that you, it, it was almost like being in the room with that person brought all of it back. And, and it was it was not the kind of thing, you you know, that I would think about much or very frequently. But suddenly you're in the room with those people and the 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 moment that you were, had all shared that many years ago, you're sharing again. Oh, God, how 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 is that not fun? Mm -hmm. That's fun. But, you know, there's friendships that you have and then you don't know what happens exactly, but you start drifting away. And the next thing you know, you haven't spoken for 20 years. Uh, Do you have an answer I think for that I, one? Patrick I Albany's? don't have an yeah. answer. I, I don't. I you would. You know, it's um, you and you know one of my other very close friends, uh, my friend Craig, who I've known uh, since I was I think fourteen, and uh, you know, it's we still chat frequently, but uh, you know, every now and then we'll remember another one of our friends and say, "How did we lose contact? When was the last time you spoke to Dave?" Mm -hmm. You know, and yeah. it, it, it'll be something like a twenty years, and you and you wonder how did that happen? Twenty years. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not a fan of that. I, I wish I did a better job of, of keeping, you know, it wasn't Facebook, weren't these social media platforms supposed to do that for us? Say, look, you know, here's, you, you can reconnect with these old friends. There they are. In theory, that's what it was supposed to do. No, in but theory. instead what it, what it does is it allows you to reconnect with people you haven't spoken to in 30 years to replace the people you aren't speaking to now. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, because social media separated you somehow. Yeah. yeah. But take your friend Craig, for example. He knows you and your family in a way that I don't know your family. I've met your family, but I don't know your family the yeah. way Craig knows them. And there's something about friends that you go through adolescence with, those formative years where you're kind of figuring out who you are and who you'd like to be and your yeah. family and your friends get to know all of your friends in kind of a in, an intimate way, in a, in a, a more uh, connected way. So those friends, when you connect with them, it does bring back that kind of that unexpected joy. And you smile and laugh and your body releases all these endorphins. And, you know, if you had good friends growing up, I, I just say it's really good to reconnect with people. Oh, I, I agree. And especially it's, the, it's funny you bring up the ones that knew your family and your family knows them because you know, your siblings know who your friends were when you were growing up. And they probably occasionally ask you about them. Or if you say, hey, I saw, you know, John today. You, know, you remember John used to live across the street, uh, owed you $20, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> 
and they'll say, yes, I, I remember all of that. And I hope you got it. Uh, but um, it's it's kind of funny that you say, yeah, I have that shared experience. My sisters, so I, of course I was a young kid and I was doing magic and I wanted to do the tricks where you cut people in half. And I could not afford to hire assistants, but I was blessed with five sisters. <laughs> so uh, I had room for error. Yeah. <laughs> and that one sister of yours that she was, well, she's a half sister, right? She's a half sister. That's right. Yeah. She lives yes, in New York she, and Boston. Right? And Cleveland. Yes, yes, yes. She, she's Sorry, split. We, yes. we couldn't help those bad jokes. <laughs> you know, those, when you start doing a magician, doing magic as a teenager, they say, start with these jokes. They're terrible. Exactly. But just get it but out of your work. system. They'll work. They'll work. They'll get it out, get it out of your system. But, of course, so uh, Craig and uh, and my friend Craig and I did Magic Act together. And then um, my sister, or two of my sisters often, but one of them specifically was our assistant. So <laughs> we were like a trio. Yeah. And you think, well, what a strange thing that, you know, who did you hang out with? Oh, I hang out with this guy and his sister. He's, you know, well, you know, it's the fun of youth. You don't think about that stuff. Yeah. You just you just you just said, well, this this naturally works. We all like each other. Well, what about just the younger days where you think about the goals you had and the goals you set, none of which, of course, you achieved, but you set them. Yes. And I even think today that can help to refocus some of the things you're doing today because you can look back and say, I had this as a goal, but maybe I didn't have a great plan for achieving it. But now as an adult, you can think, well, I know how to do this now because I will create a plan and a goal and I can work at it. Uh, I had a, a friend, uh, when I hit my early 20s, I moved to Florida. I lived there for a while, and I, I made a friend with um, this guy named Gary. And he was just one of these wise beyond his years guys. And I remember I was trying to do some goals, and I and I would I would run over some of the goals I had. And he'd say, sounds great. Why? I'd say, excuse me? <laughs> he'd, say, <laughs> he'd say, he says, well, you, see, you know, here's one of your goals. You'd like to have, you know, like, homes in, like, you, you mentioned three or four places. Why? So, so yeah, he would say, why? Yeah, I'm saying it I'd too. Say, yeah, and, I, you know, you're 20 years old. You say, because I think it would be cool, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And But he was so wise. He'd say, he's, you know, he says, I think it's going to be very hard to achieve a goal if you don't know why you even want it. Mm -hmm. You can't even explain why you want this thing. Yeah. You're just saying, oh, I, you know, so it sounds like you kind of picked that up from somewhere else that somebody else maybe had that goal and you thought it sounded good. Yeah. I'm not knocking it, but uh, boy, he could cut to the chase, you know. And and he was also very good on uh, on prayer. Uh, he'd say, you know, he says you got to be careful when you pray to God that you're not trying to tell him how to give you the thing you're asking for. You have to leave that up to him because he might have an unusual way of of getting you on the right track of where you need to go, where yeah. you need to be. So might just be, be clear. Big, might be a big no yeah. too. Well, and that was the other thing. He says, it might be a big no. And he, he would say, trust me, he knows better than you. <laughs> yeah, always the case. Do you always find, the case. Uh, do you find more often than not when you go down a, a nostalgic road with somebody that when you leave that conversation, it, you do have a better mood, you're in a better mood, you feel a little bit more positive, or maybe you've had enough laughs that your your body just physically feels better because you've had some endorphin release. Yes, uh, without fail. Yeah, uh, me too. It does, and 
Now, but do you often find yourself sometimes hesitant to maybe hop in the car and do a, a lengthy drive to do something like that? I, sometimes, oh, I don't want to drive to Chicago. There's nobody around, and all my friends have moved and left uh, town. And then I run into one person. One person, I'll go to the like the local magic shop, and, uh, and then a friend of mine will show up. Wow. And I'll have this spectacular time, and I'll say, the 780-mile round trip that I just took uh, paid off in that one-hour reminiscent journey uh, to run into my old friend Tim at the magic shop. Mm -hmm. Just uh, by, by you know, sheer good fortune, I walked in the door, and there he was, and I said, oh, my, I'm so happy that I made this trip just because I got to, uh, uh, I actually did have that happen at a magic shop in Chicago. That's wow. why I bring that up. Yeah. Now, yeah. I don't want to bash technology, but I want to take a break. When we come back, I want to uh, ask you your thoughts on people, uh, kids especially, spend a lot of time with their face in front of a screen. And I'm not sure how you develop childhood memories when you're looking at a screen all day long. Take a real short mm -hmm. break. Patrick Albanese is my guest, my good friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. Be right back. brain if you had one. Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Welcome back to the show. Patrick Albanese is my guest, my friend and colleague, and we are getting Monday started with a little bit of levity, but we also are talking about uh, not only nostalgia, but bad grammar. <laughs> right. They seem to you go mean, hand in hand. Yes. Yes. Bad, bad grammar. Yeah. So, Patrick, you, you know, know that phrase, bad grammar, comes it comes naturally. But if I ever say that, my wife says, you mean poor grammar. Oh, there you go. Do you realize that the phrase bad grammar is actually bad grammar? <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> it turns yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad grammar yeah. uh, or poor grammar. Sorry. I, you couldn't have said that yeah. to me off the air? I, well, I, I don't mean to correct you, but, uh, but you I don't want to see you go down the wrong path. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, see I appreciate that. All right, yeah. let's talk about uh, our childhood versus your kids' childhood. And they're spending a lot more time looking at screens where we had no opportunity to look at screens. We looked at TV yes. a little bit at night, but uh, this screen stuff, how do you develop childhood memories if you're hunched over your phone all the time? I don't know. I mean, the screen I think I spent the most time looking at was the screen door because <laughs> it was raining outside, you know, and you're going, I can't go play baseball yeah, right. with my friends. I know. And, uh, of course, daytime television was nothing to get too excited about. So uh, in the middle of summer, it was just reruns of you know, shows that you didn't want to see. And you said, I want to go out. I want to go out and do things. Mm -hmm. I, I'm still wired that way. It's one of the reasons why I have difficulty sleeping. If there's a ray of sunlight out, I can hear my mother's voice saying, it's a nice day. Get out of the house. Yeah. So I don't know how uh, kids do it. I, you know, I think this is something we've, I don't know if we've spoken about it on the radio, but when you when we talk about these memories and nostalgia, or as you said, nostalgia, uh, they, there's they're very rarely solo moments. You know, you're not saying, you know, remember that time I stayed home and watched Gilligan's Island for <laughs> 23 hours? Good times, yeah. right? 
they always involve other people. And one of the things I do uh, worry about is the, the screen time takes away from uh, fellowship time. I agree. And yeah, I know we've t spoken about how fellowship can take many forms. You know, people uh, uh, sometimes in churches think that fellowship always has to be biblically driven. I said, but good friendships are biblically driven. It's they're healthy, and fellowship is fellowship is healthy. Um, I, I think it's biblically ordained. It's like it's the joy of fellowship is the same as the joy of laughter. Mm -hmm. And this is God's behind it. Yeah, I do worry about it. I understand. With our I, kids. I would too. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you this, Patrick. Uh, if in the past, or when you have felt lonely, or maybe a little bit displaced, disconnected, all that kind of stuff, do you find that your mind drifts towards something sentimental because that in itself kind of generates a, a little reset of your mood? Or did I just make that Ooh. up? You might have made it up. It sounds really good, though. It does. I, doesn't I like it? that a lot. Because I well, find it, it, myself doing that. If you're, if yeah. I'm a little bit anxious or disconnected, or something just feels a little bit uh, overwhelming, if I journey back a little bit and think of something that was incredibly warm and positive, and maybe a little sentimental, I find that it kind of reboots my mood. Well, and of course, the the classic way of uh, boosting your mood, which is the last thing we ever really think we want to do when we're maybe in one of these down spots, is doing something for somebody else. Yeah. Serve someone I, else. Yep. Serve somebody else. And and I still, in in all the years that that, that has surprised me, it still will occasionally surprise me. I, I helped somebody move the other day. Um, you know, I don't know who these people were. I just saw a truck. And I just, <laughs> it says mm -hmm. two men in a truck. I see one guy. It looks like you're short a guy. No, it's, but, uh, it was one of those, you said, I really don't want to do this. And I was in one of those moods and I've walked away from it. And I said, I am feeling like a million bucks right now, mm -hmm. uh, doing, and that is because I did something I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Or I didn't think I wanted to do. Oh, I helped somebody. Yeah, and the rewards come instantly. Yeah, I I, I just find that always remarkable. And I I believe that if you connect with someone from your past uh, and you have uh, an opportunity to have a discussion with someone that's known you for a long time, I can't think of a more perfect opportunity to share your faith because they knew you when, and mm -hmm. now you can let them know who you are today. And the beauty yes. is, is they maybe don't know exactly who you are today, but they remember who you were and the way you talk. And they might have said, yeah, I remember you were kind of interested in New Age at the time when I met you. And you can yes. say, yes, I was. And I found that yes. to be empty and uh, had nothing for me. And I came into saving faith uh, in Jesus and that changed my life forever. Boy, talk about great ev uh, evangelistic opportunities. Okay, so now, uh, and I don't think I've ever asked you this, but it has had to have happened to you because it's happened to me. You're, you're sitting with somebody maybe you haven't seen in, in, in many years. You're going, you're doing the nostalgia thing, uh -huh. and you are not, not necessarily about to say, hey, let me share my faith in you, but you start to notice in their conversation that they've changed. 
that right. there's something new about them. Mm-hmm. And so you, you start asking questions about their faith. You weren't about to say, let me share Jesus with you. You say, wait a second here. I'm seeing something. Mm-hmm. And you ask and you find out, oh, you've, you met Jesus. You right. did it. Right. Me too. <laughs> uh, this is, this is, and suddenly that, that moment is you go, wow, we both, we were on opposite sides of everything 30 years ago and look where we both ended up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and often it's a place you said, I really didn't think I would end up here. Yeah. I think I, I fought it. In fact, you know, when my new age days, for instance, you brought those up, I was fighting it. And, uh, so when I ended up getting to know Jesus, I say, how the, how does he do that? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that's, 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 that one's, those are fun experiences yeah. too. And the nice thing about older friends is because of family history, there's a good chance, you know, brothers, sisters, uh, probably even aunts and uncles, because that's how you are as a kid. You get to know friends and and their family and their extended family. So you always have that discussion is, you know, whatever happened to Aunt Dottie? Um, yes. And you and they will say, well, you know, she passed away 12 years ago. And, you know, so you always have opportunities to have conversations about serious topics, life, death. Uh, mm-hmm. How's your family? How's your career? How is your soul? Yes. Or, or very often somebody will bring up something that you forgot about your own past. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, right. and that's that's kind of, uh, you say, well, I, I just gained some insight into my own, my, own, my own history. I had forgotten that, you know, I was like that or I'd forgotten some of these experiences. And it helps you maybe piece together the path of your life, how you got to where you are. Uh, but you're right, as we get older, we especially, as we lose family members and the older family members and old friends knew them, you know, so you've had this, you sit down with people, they say, you're, they don't say, how's your mother? They say, is your mother still, your mother's still with us? Right. She's still with us. Because mm-hmm. uh, we've had that shared experience of, you know, I mean, you were there when I lost my mom, I was there when you lost your mom. And, you know, it's it's funny as a as a kid when somebody would lose someone. I said, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say to these people. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to say. And then as you get older, you say, there is nothing to say. Just be there. Right. You've had the experience. You know. You just you just really appreciate them being there. So yeah. it's tough when you lose them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Although, yeah, the kids learn stuff from you by watching you as well. Yeah. And uh, so I, we want to create those experiences for, like, I want to do that for my kids. Although my daughter the other day when I picked her up from school and said, uh, your mother wants you to do some chores when you get home. My 12-year-old says, what is wrong with that woman? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said, I, you maybe shouldn't have picked that one up from me. Did I? Have I said that? <laughs> I'm sure you haven't said that. That's very... Well, you haven't said it. No, I know. Yeah. Uh, I blame YouTube. Was that... That's a, the place. Well, do you think that was a YouTube... Um... Um, I, my daughter's quite dramatic. She loves theater, and so she memorizes shows. And I, I'm sure it's probably just a line from a show. Oh, I'm sure it is. So I'm sure it is. <laughs> what is uh, wrong with that uh, woman? All <laughs> uh, right. Thanks for the uh, n- nostalgia today, Patrick. It's always good chatting with you. Have a great rest of the week. Yeah. Thanks. You too. You bet. Patrick Albanese been my opening guest to this week. I'm going to pass the torch now to Dr. Peter Kapsner. Have a great rest of the day. I'll see you tomorrow.
Welcome back to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. And as Bill said before the break, this is Peter Kapsner taking the torch, taking the reins, as it were, for the rest of the show. Delighted to be with all of you here on this Monday afternoon. Equally delighted to be joined in studio by our guest as part of the Monday afternoon mix. It is David Miles in the house talking through Sermon on the Mount. Good afternoon, David. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Good morning. <laughs> we always have to remind that thing. So here's the thing for pastors. It could be 7 o'clock at night, and you're like, good morning, everyone. And everyone's like, did you not... T- turn your clock back. It's, it's like, like pulling one of those little rip cords in the back of a doll, right? That just has a, a, a certain number of things to say. I totally get it. Yeah, I love you know, it. and those those kind of inter- inappropriate things that you don't want to say, like, so one time I was doing a wedding, and previous to that point, I did a funeral, and so I had to write, like, really big on my notes <laughs> and say, today we're gathered for this wetting, this lovely wetting, because you only get one chance to do that. So if you're like, we're gathered today for this funeral, and it's a wedding... Yeah, not good. You're right. Those sacred moments. I just did a ceremony about a month ago, and I completely missed the communion part of the ceremony. They went to the vows, and then they wanted to have communion right afterwards. But thank goodness they punted at the end of it and had communion a little later. But to your point, you never want to screw up the, those the sacred ceremonies. No. And uh, I remember going one time to a, to a wedding, and, and the, the couple that was getting married, well, you know, the pastor kept saying this person's name and then this other gal's name. And, like, he kept saying this name, and I was kind of like, but wait a minute, that's that's not the soon-to-be bride. And it was actually the groom's, like, former girlfriend. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, no. I, I was like... No, that um, is horrible. I'm like, and then I'm, like, seeing people squirm. I'm like, and I'm like, uh, babe, like, that's his. That's his ex-girlfriend. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So, oh, no. That's so, horrible. Waking that is... up in a cold sweat. And in that moment, you end up becoming someone's enemy. Yeah, you do. And that is a great segue back into our Sermon on the Mount series that I know we've been in for quite some time here on Monday afternoons. We're sort of still at the end of Chapter 5 and, and where we were with Love, Our Enemies. I know we'll probably try to get a little bit into Chapter 6 today. But yes. why don't you just do a quick recap of where we've been as we've been talking through this beautiful opening sermon that Jesus gives when his ministry starts. Oh, it's wonderful. And I mean, like, Jesus opens up his sermon with the Beatitudes, and he's, he really flips things on his head about talking about who's blessed. And uh, it's actually very countercultural. And then he goes into this whole issue that how the church is to be salt and light. You know, we're the salt of the earth and just, you know, tastiness. And, and, and I know, like, no one wants to have really a blah, bland turkey. So for those of you who are, you know, brining the turkey and getting ready, salt does have its importance, not too much because high blood pressure. And then lights. I mean, last last night, you know, and yesterday with my family putting up Christmas lights. And it's amazing how one little light in darkness uh, can make the biggest difference. And Jesus makes this point, and, and, and he then transitions to say that Christ came to fulfill the law, not to get rid of it, but to fulfill it, you know, to be both priest and prophet and king that the Old Testament talked about. And what's neat then is that we see this kingdom value uh, that Jesus begins to preach on in chapter 5 and explain on, and he says, you know, listen, you've heard that it was, you know, wrong to murder. And Jesus raises that to say, even hating your brother uh, is cause, uh, is murder itself, and that you're not not to commit adultery. And Jesus goes, well, you know, even looking at a woman with less is the hard issue of, of committing adultery. And then saying the hard-heartedness of, like, whoever divorces his wife, Jesus says, no, that was given because your hearts were hard and not to divorce. And then he's like, oaths, you know, I'm going to swear on this, I'm going to swear on that. And, and he's like, no, let your yes be yes. And your no be no. And then we see in verse 38, you've heard retaliation, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. 
And then Jesus just lifts that so much more to say, no, you know, even going the extra mile, going the extra mile with people uh, who seemingly don't deserve it. And he gives the illustration of the Roman, excuse me, the Roman centurion who at that time could cause anyone, he could just say, hey, you, Rosie, pick up my bags. And there was a law that you had to carry them for a mile. And Jesus is like, no, instead of being victimized in that situation, you actually look at the person and say, you know what, I'm going to take it another mile. And showing just the empowerment in that moment and then love your enemies is where we've been at, where you've heard it say you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. And Jesus ends this by saying, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And so Mm. just this, this very, very complete beautiful thing at the beginning of the Sermon Mount, which above all things, when you look at this, shows that you can't do that. Mm -mm. And that's that's the truism of the gospel, that the Christian life is impossible to live outside Mm. of Christ who empowers us to live that life. David, let's talk a little bit more about that last point that you made, and, and maybe even within the context of a working definition for biblical love, because I think sometimes we get confused that to love someone means to agree with them. And so, and, and the text is not necessarily inviting us to agree with our enemies. It's talking about still desiring that our enemies would be made whole and complete, lacking in nothing like all of us, that there would be a, a tenderhearted compassion for them, even in the midst of perhaps the violence of spirit or physical violence they're perpetrating upon us. We're, we're just talking about being anchored in a different kind of love for them. But first John's pretty clear that kind of love only comes from God. It says yeah. that we love because God first loved us. So maybe give us a little window into if we want to develop the kind of heart that loves our enemies, how do we first get anchored in the love of God so that it can we can be a conduit for that for our enemies? Well, that's a great thing, Peter. And I, I feel like calling you DPK. DPK. Like Dr. Peter Kessler. I like that. I'm, I'm going to roll with that. Is We're that gonna, sweet? Yeah, I like I that. Like Rosie, that Between the two of you, though, I'm just going to stick with David and Peter <laughs> because we got P. D, M. Yeah, there, there. Right. We got Rosie B. Okay, Rose, yeah. Rosie B. Much okay. easier. Yeah. Well, you know, Peter. One of those things is that gets kind of mishmash in our society is that, you know, when we talk about love, we have like love, just the word love. But but in Greek, as you know, in the original language, there's there's many different ways of expressing from, you know, uh, Philadelphia, like like brotherly love, eros love, which is. And then you have agape love, God-like love, unconditional love that seeks the highest good mm. of another person. And sometimes the highest good of another person is not necessarily what they want or agree with them. Because you can have a two-year-old who's like, listen, I want you to agree with me on this. But as a parent, you're like, no, nah, that's not going to be ultimately, ultimately for your best. You know, Now, you might have to keep grandma and grandpa away <clears throat> you know, because <laughs> they, they are like, you know, we're going to try this again. And like, no, baby, it's okay. Let them have that peanut butter and spoon in it. But the idea is really saying, like, what is the person's ultimate good? And see, Jesus gave his life, died upon a cross to, so that God could be both, as it says in Romans uh, 3, 25 and 26, that God is both just and and justifier, meaning mm. God is just, that holiness is who he is, and that it required that the soul that sins will die, okay? And all the sin and fall short of the glory of God, and all means all, that's all that all means. But he's both justifier, meaning that he allowed his son to shed his eternal blood, because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And God speaks of that as saying, that is love, 
Like that's that's real love, like a fullness mm. of love that includes the biblical word shalom, which isn't just peace with your enemies, but there's a fullness of righteousness and justice and wholeness of life. Yeah, I, David, or just uh, just jumping into the car, just listening and talking with David Miles about love your enemies as part of the Sermon on the Mount. And David, as you're chatting about that kind of love and the shalom that we can have with one another, it really does start perhaps with recognizing that we all have been enemies. We have all been enemies to the cross, as the Bible talks about. And so I think about those times where I developed the kind of soft heart required for the enemies around me, perhaps. It starts with almost getting in touch with my own enemy likeness related mm-hmm. to the cross, because that brings a humility that then somehow changes perspective. Yeah, it does, Peter. And I mean, one of the things is that <laughs> forgiving people often realize the depth of their forgiveness. You know, um, there was a song that I really enjoyed, which was called Remember Your Chains by Stephen Kirsten. Yeah, Chapman. I love that song. Mm-hmm. You yep, know, yep. and he's like, there's there's no heart more thankful to sit at the table than the one that best remembers hunger's pain. Mm. And no heart loves greater than the one who is able to recall a time when all it knew was shame. Mm. You know, and, and he talks about like, not forgetting our chains and remembering the prison that once held you. You know, I wish Stephen was here because he'd, he'd sing it way better than me. <laughs> you know, but but it is one of those things. And even like, I mean, like that's from his Heaven in a Real World CD from like the 1990s. But when I still listen to it, it brings me to tears because I think about the things, you know, that the Lord has done and brought me. You know, that, that, that old gospel song, When I Think About the Lord how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. It makes me want to shout hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Those are all words of gratitude. And you don't have time to be hating on someone when you realize the depth of what Jesus has done in your mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like you said, Peter, uh, Romans 10, 5.10 says we were enemies of God. Not that we just like had idiosyncrasies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like... You got issues. No, we had a big issue. And, uh, and God in his grace was so loving and merciful and, and gracious and forgiving uh, of us. And, and he didn't look it over because it says, while we are by nature children of wrath, Ephesians 2, 3, it says, but God in grace forgave us even while we were dead in our trespasses. I love how God doesn't like, like, I'm just going to wait. He's like, no. By grace, you've been saved. Even when you were dead in your trespasses, God stepped in. And because of that, we in turn can give that in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the power of gratitude and what God has done for us to other people. I love it. David, we'll uh, take a, st- a short break here. We'll step away for just a minute. When we come back, we'll change the topic to a new part of Sermon on the Mount. This is a series in which Jesus is coming onto the scene for the first time in a new kind of way for his disciples, for his followers, and he's beginning to explain this is what life is like in the kingdom. And certainly loving your enemies is, is a challenging invitation on a number of levels, but so is the next part that we're going to get into from Matthew chapter 6, and that is your ability to give to the needy in a way that isn't about showing off your righteousness. It mm-hmm. simply is developing and cultivating the kind of heart for needy people. This is Afternoons with Bill. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for today.
enjoying a partial afternoon off. This is Peter Kapsner filling in for today, but David Miles is not getting the afternoon off. This is part of the Monday Afternoon Mix. Here with Rosie B. in studio, we're talking a bit through the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus. Rosie, before we go back to uh, Matthew chapter 6, we do have a bit of a promo to talk about some of the invitations we have for Faith Radio listeners as we're reading through the book of Luke together coming up. Oh my gosh, it, start ne- it starts next week. It, it does indeed. And you're part of this, you're uh, part, okay, so you're being very humble right now, but Peter Which is, which Kapsner, is not like me. Right, I know. Right, <laughs> like, at all. It's, it's, very well. out of, it's very out of character. <laughs> I, I didn't want to admit. say yeah, that, yeah, but know, since you put yourself David under was the like bus. screaming it <laughs> yeah. at me silently, so clearly. So we are doing a study on Luke, and you can do the study with us. You have a podcast to listen to, and... Um, a whole reading guide, questions to go through with us. If you go to MyFaithRadio.com and sign up, you will hear Peter kick it off, right? Well, yeah, Angela, our very own Angela Smith is the one who was the writer of the entire series on this Gospel of Luke. Just wonderful Bible study questions that are accessible, but also get in, get us into the depth of Luke. And I did have the opportunity last week to record the opening episode where we got into the background, how Luke is a, a gospel written for a Gentile audience and how that extends into the book of Acts then that he writes later. And it just really looks like it's going to be a wonderful study that Faith Radio has put together. It's lovely. I've, I've looked at some of the discussion questions and they're just so inviting and easily to digest. So great um, study to do with your family. And it's just very invitational. Peter, what's the longest book in the New Testament? Well, it would be the Gospel of Luke. And when you combine it with the fact that he wrote Acts as well, as sort of this two-part series, right, all going out to the Gentiles, quite a volume that he put together. It's pretty interesting. Pretty it's interesting. very good. It's so challenging. It and, is. you know, there's so many parts of it, especially around Christmas, where we read yes. Luke every... That's one of our family traditions, is that one of the, my two boys will read Luke um, before we have birthday case for Jesus, before we open mm. presents. So it's we've been doing it for 20-some years. I love that. David, we're obviously in the Gospel of Matthew at this Monday Afternoon Mix series, but is there a gospel that would maybe be your favorite? I know for me it's typically the Gospel of John for a variety of reasons, Ooh. but is there one of the four that you sort of your go-to gospel? Um, well, you know, one of the four, it's hard, but if I can compound them, I like... Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That's one. <laughs> well done, David. That was like my mashed potatoes and stuffing and corn, what my plate looks like uh, at the end of Thanksgiving. I love it. Oh, but it's also very good. And I mean, like one of the rich things that happens with Luke and that we really want to stress here at Faith Talk Radio is the importance of getting into God's word. And For sure. we jump into this, I mean, like when you get into Luke and then you get to chapter like one and you see Mary's song, The yes. Magnificent. Mm-hmm. And if you get, when you get to that part, because I'm going to make the, the loving assumption and joy that hopefully people will jump into this, look at the, um, the cross-references, because the amount of references that Mary is making to the Old Testament, ergo, like she was speaking from her heart and had hidden God's word in her heart, and that just comes out, and the richness and the beauty of it. But yeah, so I, it's really, that's really hard. That's like saying, like, what's your favorite type of cheese? No, it's not saying what's your favorite type of cheesecake. It's not, that's just cheesecake. But it's hard to say, like, which gospel. It is. Like, they're all so good. Yeah, there's such a richness, and every one of them is coming from a different angle where the authors wrote them for a specific theological reason, and it's really fun when you can weave them back and forth and see how they came together on the story of Jesus, but also the things that they're emphasizing. And again, I think this study really teases out that emphasis in Luke that God had in mind the Gentiles all the time to expand this beautiful redemptive arc that ultimately is going to end with the return of the king coming back unveiled in glory. But but we see him moving outwards in this gospel of Luke. It's a fabulous study. Yeah, God's heart for, for, the, for the Gentiles is so cool because like you have Mark's gospel is one of the first ones written. 
you know, and when Jesus cleanses the temple, he shows a part of his heart because in, you know, Mark eleven seventeen, he cleanses and he says, shall not my house be called? Is it not written? So perfect tense, past action with ongoing results, that my house shall be a, called a house of prayer for all the ethnos nations. Mm. And for some people are like, oh, you know, this whole diversity, multi-ethnic thing. No, Jesus walks into a real temple, Herod's temple, B.C. 4, destroyed in 87, then picks up a real you know, scroll, Isaiah, verse 56, verse 4, and reads a real scripture to say that the Gentiles, those of us who are listening today, who aren't coming from a Seprahim, Mizraim, uh, Ethiopic, Bet, Berber, or Ashkenazi Jewish background, the rest of us, the we's on this phone, the rest of us, we's are Gentiles. And so we are being included into this. And oh my goodness, the mercy and grace. Mm. We could just stop and praise for that. Yeah, absolutely. Rosie, one more time, Mm. if listeners want to check in as part of the study next week, how can they access it? They go to myfaithradio.com. It's right on the front page and you just fill out the form and then the study guide will come your way. You'll have links to the podcasts. Fabulous. I love it. Well, David, let's get back to our Sermon on the Mount series. I know we're heading into the sixth chapter now of the Gospel of Matthew. And as part of this series in which Jesus is talking about, this is what life is like in my kingdom, he starts addressing how we handle the poor and those in need. Yeah. And he opens up in verse one of chapter six. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Mm. I mean, really rich. And, and guys, you know, at this particular time of the year, this is kind of a, it's a, it's a good searching an examination question for us, you know? Yeah, it really is. I think about the times if I'm, you know, being just as forthright as possible here, that there's, there's a sense in which you, when I would give, I'd be like, see, kind of look what's happening here, everybody. Capstone's given. Looks pretty good, doesn't it? (laughs) And this is exactly what we're not talking about doing. Right. Yeah. And he's like, you know, not practicing, you know, like putting on show of righteousness so that others can just see it. And, and so like, it's, it's, that the purpose is not even necessarily giving because of that needy person, but it's the idea of, um, there's a term, Peter, I think it's called what, virtue signaling? I think that sounds right. Yeah. So. And I think it can go one step further. For me, I might be giving privately, but I'm in a one-on-one conversation with God going, how much? You know, mm-hmm. what What do you want? And I think it this begs even further. It's not just in front of humans, but why ask God how much? Just give generously, you know, without going through and necessarily qualifying it, even in the audience of one, you know, like for me, it's been, why am I asking how much? Just give, right? Just well, I, just I, give and open up your heart. And I to think do we that. struggle, you know, we struggle, Rosie, because money's tainted, taint right. yours, taint mine, mm. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Psalm 24, one says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the world and all who belong in it. For he established it upon the waters, he found it upon the seas. And, you know, last I checked this morning, I did wake up, but I didn't find no earth on any waters or found anything on the seas. So it all belongs to him, all the cattle on a thousand hill, your last breath, your last heartbeat taken, that is God's merciful gift and grace. And so sometimes when we want to become a, a little bit stingy in giving, meaning $20 looks really like a lot of money, 
when God's saying give it to someone, but it looks really small when you're on Amazon or at the Mall of America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? There's just conviction in that. Yeah, and there- it, it's not to make you feel bad. Like, you know, conviction that, like, says you're pond scum, that's not, you know, that's more the enemy. Mm-hmm. It's God saying, I've made you for so much more. And we, we make this point that God so loved the world that he gave and even Paul writing to the Corinthians said, even Jesus said that it's more blessed to give than to receive, to not always just be taking in, but in ways giving, but the giving with our heart and mind. And I also think, and you know, it's so easy to think of the scripture, especially during this time of year when the Salvation Army buckets are coming out and, you know, Union Gospel Mission and feed for Thanksgiving and all these type of things. We think of it monetarily, but when I was reviewing Love for Your Enemies, prior to this segment, you know, giving a blessing to somebody you dislike during the family Thanksgiving meal, that is Mm. as sometimes as difficult than actually your money is to give your heart in blessing and to really forgive, Mm -hmm. really forgive Mm -hmm. and lay it down. That can be the most generous thing you do for somebody. Yeah. And David, this, uh, even what Rosie's talking about too, we're, we are stewards of kingdom life in every possible way, right? We're stewards of the love of God. We're also steward of just the financial realities that people need in this world. And so do you have any suggestions, somebody like me or anybody that might be listening and says, you know, I would love to take just one step away from thinking that I'm an owner of all of this stuff and into the fact that I'm simply just a steward because the whole world is God's and everything in it. Yeah, I mean, like one of the things, and we know that Henry Blackaby used to note this, that, you know, look around and see where God's at work and ask him, how do you want me to, you know, participate in what you're doing? You know, and pray it. And one of the things we've we've gotten method, methodologically sound on things. I mean, like we have methods of doing things, but we've in ways stopped learning to say, "God, will you speak to my heart?" Like truly speak mm-hmm. that it's not bad lasagna, that it actually <laughs> it's actually a stretching of me to trust you with this particular thing, area, or conversation, as you said. You know, and and think of of okay, Lord, how might you use my life? It it might not be anything super big in your mind, you know, it might be just blessing your neighbor, you know, your coworker, the person that you're struggling the most with. It, it might be something that uh, you hear on, on faith radio and an opportunity arises. And as you're listening to one of the shows and someone mentions a need and saying, Hey, how can I participate in that? Or one of the big things is just giving time. You know, sometimes it's easier to give things and money than it is to give time. You know, so, but I would say, Peter, really asking the Lord, seeking his face on that, asking others around you in Mm. a humble manner, uh, if they're aware of anything and just say, you know, here's the thing, journey of a thousand miles begins with one step, you know, and just take the one step that God's pointing you in the direction at this moment. Mm, And it occurs to me that in giving in this way, there's words that describe our father in heaven, words like lavish. How great is the love that the Father has lavished upon mm. us? Or there's this hilarity that is possible within giving that I think once we open up the purse strings of our heart in even just the smallest of ways in the ways that you just described, God, show me the need. Help me participate in this. Just open my hands a little bit. It seems like suddenly this flood is possible where you, you are almost reflective of the flood of the Father in heaven. Yeah. And I mean, this this is maybe, you know, conversation too later on as we get into treasures. Um, but one of the areas for, for us is, you know, even just stewarding money, our, our world constantly wants to claw at us, you know, to become so in, indebted to so many different things. And as we're living in a time where 
uh, fixed in fixed expenses are so much more than I remember Larry Burkett saying at one time when he was writing it was like 38 percent and now it's like you know 50 60 percent so the world constantly sends this message that it's never enough it's never enough it's never enough and actually what they found is generosity is often the antidote to materialism mm. Now, David, uh, we got to wrap it up here at this part of Sermon on the Mount. But before we go, Thanksgiving coming up, is there anything specific that you're looking forward to at that holiday table? Oh, uh, family and some friends who are visiting in from Ohio. And so, yeah, I just love being with my family and gathering around the table and just laughing and just being together. That's that, great food. I love that. Rosie, uh, any food you're looking forward to at the table? Oh, I'm. Oh, yeah. I have a new recipe for corn casserole. <laughs> it was so good. Someone brought it into work. I'm making it. I love it. You well, save some first? I will. I'll bring some in. Awesome. We'll leave it right there. And when we come back from a short break here at the top of the hour, we'll be continuing to talk about this holiday table. We'll be joined by fan favorite Glenn Pickering, and we'll talk about how to navigate yeah. the relationships around that Thanksgiving Day table. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.